0: Okay, this podcast that you are about to listen to is going to be very, very controversial. And I say this over and over again in the beginning. This is kind of an intro to the intro. I am talking about the Dutch test. I am showing you my results. I'm showing you my blood results and I am comparing the two. So, yeah, we'll get into the blood a little bit separate from the Dutch. You're going to see my testosterone level, my progesterone, my free T3 after taking my medication as an experiment before my lab so you can see what happens when you do that. And then I'm getting into the Dutch test. Now, I I wanted to do an intro to the intro. The reason why this is so controversial is because practically every practitioner out there that deals in hormones, that treats hormones, loves the Dutch test. And I can see the implications for it. I can see where it would be very, very useful As a test, especially with women who want to find out how they're methylating their hormones and if they're at a greater risk of breast cancer, right? Who wouldn't want to do that? And I completely understand because I've run into this in my practice where certain women do not respond to hormonal treatment and we need to know why. Maybe we need to change the delivery. Maybe it needs to go from a cream to an injectable or injectable to cream or pill to cream or cream to pill. I completely understand that. So there is a time, there is a place for the Dutch test, 100%. And really, I mean, what makes it unique, it just goes a little bit deeper because you're not going to get methylation information from blood, from measuring serum levels. You are going to get those hormone metabolites with a Dutch test. And it's evaluating your hormones at just multiple points through the day or through the month if you do some other Dutch testing that does cycle mapping. It's it's testing them through the day so that we can really get a good look at how your body is utilizing your hormones throughout the entire day. Are you finally at your wits end where you are tired of dealing with doctor after doctor? Maybe you've spent thousands on integrative or functional practitioners that have not helped you at all because they don't know the thyroid and hormones. They're not even testing properly. The problem I have is that it is on the expensive side and it produced very, very inaccurate results for me, basically other ends of the spectrum. And you'll see that, you'll hear that in this podcast, completely other ends of the spectrum in terms of accurate results for certain hormones. And the studies that have done, that have been out, that validate the dried urine testing is as accurate as serum blood level for hormone, they're all done by Dutch. They're all, they're all performed by precision analytics that offers the Dutch test. So just like all those tests out there that say that Synthroid is the be all end all and T4 monotherapy absolutely works. Oh yeah. Those studies were done by the makers of Synthroid. Go figure. Of course, T4 monotherapy is the Mac daddy because it's done by the company that makes Synthroid. So when a study is done by the company that wants the study to turn out a certain way and say a certain thing, you have to question it. You have to question it. So it's these obstacles that just make it so difficult to regularly apply the Dutch testing in a clinical setting. I want you to go into this podcast with an open mind and realize that I am not saying double negative here. I'm not saying that I won't do the Dutch test. I will. I absolutely will. And in certain patient populations, I will. And I will repeat it on myself ongoing. However, this is to show the inaccuracies of it, which no one does. There is not one single podcast or YouTube video where a practitioner calls out bullshit. And if you know me and you've been listening to me for a while, I'm calling bullshit. So in the interest of saving you money, Because I am frugal. If I wasn't the thyroid fixer, I'd be the frugal practitioner. In the interest of saving you money, I think that there are better ways, i.e. serum, blood, that we can use to really get that beautiful, accurate picture of your hormone values. And if we have to go deeper, then we go deeper. So enjoy this podcast check out my labs. I'm totally open with all of you in terms of my health and what's going on in my body. And I think this is really going to help open your mind up to different hormone testing and what is accurate and what do you need specifically? So many of you know that I'm very, very open with my labs and what's going on inside my body, because quite honestly, we all learn from our own labs. And I think it's really interesting when you start diving into labs and then pairing it up with how the person feels, right? Those four important words, how do you feel? Have to come into every single set of labs. So even as a practitioner, I can sit here all day long and I can tell you where your optimal lab ranges should be. And that is an in general overview, but there are nuances to thyroid and hormones. And there's so many different pieces of the puzzle that you have to put together and look at, and you cannot put every single person in a box. You cannot say that because your labs are X, Y, Z, this is how you feel. And I'll use myself as an example, and you're gonna see. I'm also going to bust a little bit on the Dutch test. So I fully expect to get some hate DMs and hate emails from practitioners out there that make their living off of selling Dutch tests. There's a place for them. There's absolutely a place for Dutch tests. And we're going to go through and show you, I'm going to show you exactly where it does fit in and where it can help. But I'm also going to kind of bust on it a little bit because it sure as hell was not accurate for me. We have to walk a fine line even as practitioners in interpreting these labs, whether they're functional labs or serum labs. You're gonna see both today for me. You're gonna see my Dutch test. You are gonna see my serum labs. Very open with my health. I always have been with all of you because you need to know what's going on with me too, right? I'm just not back here blowing sunshine up your butt. And I'm not just a practitioner who has never walked a walk or talk the talk or just talk the talk and not walk the walk. How do they say that? I have been in your shoes. I know the pain, I know the frustration. I know how labs can really start screwing with your head and you start looking at your labs from an interpretive point of view and you can actually start believing that there's something wrong. Okay, so that's another piece of this puzzle is, I want you to be able to look at your labs and stay in that context Of how you feel, not just what your labs say. There's a term it's called, and I'm not going to be using this in the exact context, but it's called orthorexia. And we tie it to when, and this is one reason why I don't have the aura ring. We tie it to mainly the biohacking space, the biohacking community, and all these gadgets that are out there, like the aura ring, right? So I'll use that as an example. And we really start getting into. This thought process of whatever it says, whatever that device says, must reflect how we feel or a ring, right? You had a bad night's sleep. Your readiness score is not very high. And even though you might feel completely fine, you wake up and you feel great. You start to question yourself. It's almost like you start gaslighting yourself and you go, Oh, maybe I don't feel so great because my readiness score is so low. That is what I'm saying with labs. You cannot look at your labs and go, oh, I must not be optimized. I must feel like garbage because look at these labs. Okay, further ado, right? Let's get into this. So if you are listening and you are not watching somewhere, I highly recommend that you go over to YouTube and actually watch this. So you can see my labs. But if you're listening, no worries, no worries. I'm going to go through this with you. Okay. Let's do this. If we're looking at my lab breakdown and we're starting with blood first. So of course we have the comp metabolic panel. There's some low markers that are indicative of dehydration. I'm just a little bit dehydrated. And who isn't when you're walking into the lab, right? First thing in the morning, you probably are a little bit dehydrated walking in. My liver enzymes are fine. AST is 15, ALT is 18. All right, now, hang on to your hats for this one. Up next is my testosterone. Now you're going to have to remember this number, but I will bring it back up when we go over my Dutch test. My total testosterone is 360. Three, six, zero. Optimal level for testosterone, optimal total testosterone for females is 50 or above. So I am far beyond, but this is the perfect example of how there is there is no cutoff. There is no high. And why? Because I do not have cystic acne. I'm not growing a beard. I'm not getting more aggressive. I think most people would say that, right? But know me. So that 360 is, is very kind of eye-opening for me because I have had women where I sat and looked at their, their labs and testosterone is high. And then I ask that question, are you androgenic? Are you experiencing any unwanted side effects? Maybe you are breaking out. Maybe you are losing hair around your hairline. That much testosterone can convert to DHT. And here's where I'm going to throw another monkey wrench in this whole, in this whole thing. My DHT is a 44. It is flagged high. The reference range is less than 20. I couldn't tell you an optimal range for DHT. Optimal would just be that you're not flagged high. Dihydrotestosterone, DHT, that is what causes the acne and the hair loss. Now on my Dutch test, when I show you this, you will see that I do have that dial that that measures how my testosterone is converting to DHT. I go down the 5-alpha reductase pathway. So technically that means that I should be getting acne. So if you were to just look at my labs and you didn't know me or ask me a question, you would say, oh my gosh, your testosterone is too high. You must be going bald. You must be breaking out. Your DHT is through the roof, but that's not the case. So do we worry about this? No. Do we pay attention and put it in the back of our minds? Like, mm, yeah, okay. Maybe if something starts happening, I need to do things or implement different things to lower DHT. Now, one of the beauty, the beautiful things that I'm already doing that I didn't even know my DHT was high that I am doing to help bind that is that I use my hormone fixer. So I use injectable testosterone. This was five days after my last testosterone shot. So I'm sure if I waited seven or eight days, that number would come down and you will see in here, I do play around with my own labs too. So I did take my T3 before my set of labs. So I do have an elevated free T3, which I'll get to in a second. So that high DHT, I'm not going to worry about right now. That high testosterone, that's my optimal. I have heard women with very elevated levels of testosterone. Let's just say it that way. Dude levels of test. That is a dude level. I, I officially have more testosterone than some men out there. Now that's sad if you are a man and you're under 400 with your total testosterone, you need testosterone replacement therapy and some lifestyle and sleep interventions. You probably need to cut out alcohol and lose some body fat, but it still is in the male realm of a testosterone level. But I feel fine. I'm great. I'm okay. All is well. Let me go back up because we missed some things. My iodine is high. And again, once you start taking iodine, it's always going to be high on your labs. You only really need that iodine marker one time to see if it's low. If it's low in the blood, start taking, you know what? You should be taking iodine anyways. You should just be taking it. My reverse T3 is low. As a reminder for new listeners, I am on 75 micrograms of T3 twice a day. So I am T3 only. Of course, my reverse T3 is going to be low. If it wasn't low, I would be concerned. Moving into the CBC with diff, the hemoglobin, red blood cell count, and hematocrit are all high. This means I need to go donate blood. My blood is becoming more thick. I'm developing more red blood cells, most likely from the injectable testosterone that I've been doing for a year and a half as that can increase red blood cells. So I do have to go donate blood. I'll get on that. Okay, all of this down here looks pretty darn good. I'm not really concerned about my neutrophils being 65.9, not a concern whatsoever. There is my 3T3. My free t 3 is 16.4, a little bit high folks. That is because I took my medication before my labs. Now I'll do a separate little mini video on this just so I can drive this point home because we did a post last week asking all you, all y'all, if your doctor, Let you know that you really should go 24 hours with no T3 medication before your labs. And a lot of you jumped in and said, no, I've never been told that, but my doctor told me to take my medication before my labs. This is what's going to happen. This is exactly what's going to happen. You see that your free T3, my free T3 went sky high. If you take your T3 before your labs, you are going to be called hyper. If a normal doctor were to look at this pattern, this thyroid pattern they would freak the F out. They would be losing their minds. They would be telling me that I'm gonna lose bone and I'm gonna have a heart attack and I better drop my thyroid medication because I'm hyper, I'm not hyper. Yep, I have a low TSH, absolutely, 0.01. I have a low reverse T3, it's undetectable. It's because I don't take T4. What converts to reverse T3? T4. Yes, I have a high free T3, but if I didn't take my labs or if I didn't take my medication before my labs, let's see if it'll give us an overtime. I don't always go to Quest, so it might not pick. Oh, yes, it did. Oh, this is beautiful. You see that? Back in January, I went my, well, I went a little bit longer. I think I went around 30 hours. 1.7, huge difference. This is the first and only time I've ever taken my thyroid medication before my labs. Again, just for shits and giggles, just so you can see, that's all. Now, back here, I took it back in 2020, December of 2020. I probably went about exactly 24 hours and then it was a 2.8. When I went a little bit longer than 24 hours, it went down to a 1.7. And then obviously at the three and a half hour peak mark, 16.4, 16.4, free T4 is flag low. It's a 0.3, it's cause I don't take it. And my thyroid, the other thing that you can see from this free T3 being a 1.7 with no medication being taken before it, back in, when did I do these? In January, my own thyroid is really no longer working. So if you pull my medication, I'll probably die because I won't have any T3 and I'm not really making any of my own T4. I'm also suppressing it just from taking T3 for so long, being on thyroid replacement therapy for so long. My own thyroid production along with Hashimoto's has basically taken my thyroid down to non-producing anymore. So I'm relying on medication, but I also don't care because my producing of thyroid hormone was inadequate 20 some years ago. Why the hell would I expect it to be adequate now? I don't. So I have zero issues of being on thyroid medication the rest of my life because it's keeping me alive and it's keeping me optimal. Moving on to my hormones, these were taken actually day three of my cycle. I know most of the time I tell you guys to take it days 19 to 22, but some hormone specialists like to see it on day three, specifically with the estrogen. So testosterone really isn't going to change much from day 19 to 22 of your cycle versus day three, but your estrogen will will change. So my total estrogens are 99. My estrone is 22. And my estradiol is less than 15. So I am now at that place of requiring hormone replacement therapy. I'm already on testosterone. I have been taking progesterone, but my progesterone is a 0.7 blood. And I'm just really not picking much up on the estradiol Realm whatsoever. Now, before I jump to the Dutch test, let me show you one more thing. It is my SHBG. This is what I tell you guys to look at all the time. Because if your SHBG is high, mine is 163. And you can see these, I don't know why my total testosterone here is 377, and then the other one is 360. Whether it was tested by two different labs or tested on a different day, I, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know but it's in the 300s. Let's just leave it at that. It's in the 300s. My sex hormone binding globulin is 163. So yes, I am taking my SHBG fixer. My free testosterone is very, very high as well. At a 23, reference range is 0.1 to 6.4, right? And here my progesterone is only a 0.1. My FSH is 19.2. So here my estradiol is coming in at a 15, but on the other test, it was less than 15. These are all taken on the same day. FSH, ultimately you really want it between 20 and 25 in menopause as that FSH starts to climb. And this is per my dear friend, Karen Martell, who also really helps me understand the Dutch test. As that FSH starts to climb, that is where the weight gain starts to come on in menopause, ladies. So estrogen will come in and lower that FSH. Now, will I get it down to like the 10 range where I would really like it to be? Maybe, maybe not. I'll let you know once I start on estrogen replacement, but suffice it to say, it's elevated right now. So I have very little progesterone and very little estradiol per blood. Okay, now we're going to jump over to my Dutch test. So as we can see right here at the top with these little dials, it is saying that my estradiol and progesterone are pretty darn good. So my estradiol, my E2 is 2.5. Progesterone is dead center at 11.7. And it's showing my testosterone as in the toilet, in the toilet. Now, why is that? Okay, so some people do say, and and I have not dove into this study at all, at all. But there is a UGT gene mutation that It basically blocks the urinary excretion of testosterone. So when you do a Dutch test, it doesn't pick up on testosterone. But to me, these are crazy opposite end of the spectrum numbers. Here you have me serum being 360, 377, and the Dutch test says nothing. Like I have zero testosterone. So to me, that's a little bit of a weird red flag. And again, if you were to look at this entire pattern, and it could be perhaps because my SHBG is so high that it is binding to some of the DHT. So as I lower my SHBG, if, my, if I start breaking out, I'll know that it's unreleasing some dihydrotestosterone and then that's causing my breakouts and whatever else might happen. Hopefully no hair loss. But if you were to look at my Dutch test, from a 10,000 foot view, you would say, oh my gosh, this person needs testosterone. And we know with blood, let me back up to blood. We know with blood, we are measuring the bioavailable and the non-bioavailable. So the total and the free. Now, the thing with blood that the Dutch test gives us, but blood doesn't, is the unbound, the free, and the metabolized hormones. So blood is a direct measure of what's in the body at that time. It's incredibly accurate. I mean, that's why I like blood better, but we will use the Dutch in certain situations. I'll get to that. Very, very accurate, best tool for bioidentical dosing. And it provides that blood, provides that snapshot in time so that we can test it on certain days. And it's just easy and it's cheaper, right? If I want to test you on day three with a Dutch test, you want to drop another $500? You want to drop another $500 on days 19 to 22. Maybe if we are trying to figure out something, if we're trying to figure out like what the heck is going on. So in the case, I always talk about my assistant, Patty, friend, right-hand woman. She breaks out with testosterone and she goes down the same pathway. Let me show you my pathway. She goes down the same pathway that I do with her testosterone. So this 5-alpha reductase You see, my dial is all the way into androgenic. Androgenic means androgens. It means the, so with testosterone, you have anabolic, which is what you want, building of muscle, that motivation, that lean, sexy muscle that we want. And then we have the anabolic, which is, you know, think female bodybuilders that start to look like guys and they're growing a beard and they got acne. According to the Dutch, I am pushing very, very hard into the 5-alpha reductase pathway, i.e. dihydrotestosterone, DHT. Patty does the same thing, which she gets the breakouts and I don't, why is that? So can we look at a Dutch test and say, this is absolute, can we look at any test, right? And say, this is absolutely what's going to happen to you. Maybe, maybe not. If you look at my saliva cortisol pattern, you'll see that I, I mean, if I was looking at this, this was my patient and I was my own patient. I would say, oh my gosh, what is going on in the morning? Like your cortisol is jacking up to sky high levels. This is insane. And then you kind of come back into a normal pattern. I don't know. I don't know what pushes it up, but I know I feel good. I wake up, I'm a morning person. Yes, I will still have a couple of cups of coffee. Yeah, I'm still human. And I might wake up in the morning and have some dragging ass days. But for the most part, I'm very, very functional. I'm very, very optimal. I feel great. Everything is fine. So would I try to change that? Cortisol pattern up? Probably not. I'd probably just leave it just as it is because all is well. All is well. Now let me go back to the benefits of, I already told you what the benefits of the blood, blood serum testing, benefits of dried urine Dutch testing. Most proponents of Dutch say that it's very, very accurate in terms of methylating. If you are properly methylating your hormones. Now, we can't use the Dutch for oral estrogen, and even some experts. Hormone experts have said that the reading of testosterone can be skewed. So we cannot use the Dutch test to determine whether or not you need to increase testosterone, use testosterone, decrease your testosterone. We can't. And we can't use the Dutch to determine the dosing of the bioidentical hormones, especially if we're doing static dosing for you with hormones. We cannot use the Dutch test just for static dosing of hormones. And then even some some transdermal creams can pose an issue with the Dutch test too. So this this is why I'm going to get the hate mail. This is why I'm going to get the hate DMs because as we're going through this, you're going, well, why in the hell would I pay $500 then for a test that blood pretty much tells us a lot of the good stuff anyways, right? Right. Well, we use it in order to see the breakdowns. The metabolites of the different hormones so if you look at my metabolites on here my 4-OH-E1 is high that's elevated there's that 5-alpha that's high we already know now my 5-alpha DHT on here it says it's within range right but then on the blood my DHT is through the roof so what do you believe i'm going to believe the blood but this comes into play with the five alpha DHE being within range in terms of my symptoms. In terms of my symptoms, so if E1 and E2 are elevated, that can pose a little bit of an issue. It can indicate, well, especially with 16 OH E1, it can indicate that there's DNA damage. But if you are, if you're a woman and your E1 E2 are elevated, you could be experiencing vaginal dryness. Whether this is TMI or not, I'm okay. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put any esterel cream down there. I am going to start on small a small amount of estrogen replacement therapy for sure. Now again, here we are. We're looking at the pregnenolone pathways. I already talked about the five alpha reductase with my testosterone, which is apparently low according to the Dutch test. On here, my progesterone is adequate, but on my blood, my progesterone's in the toilet. So, what are you gonna do? I'm going to add in a little bit of progesterone cream. and and let me disclaimer this. There are people that are absolute pros. I mean, can can break down a Dutch test in their sleep. I am not one of them. So if there's a pro out there that is hating on me right now, that's fine. you can you can email me and clarify anything that I'm saying that might be incorrect, but I'm just going on the basis. on just the, the basic reading of a Dutch test. And this is what I'm seeing when I compare it to the blood. So because oral progesterone, which I'm taking increases the dial, that can, can, can put me in a little bit of a higher risk of, I don't even want to say it, of cancer can, 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 but what I'm going to do is add in a cream and actually apply it to my breast tissue so it can become less inflammatory. So this is where hormones are protective. So if I add in the estrogen and I add in the progesterone cream and I actually apply it to my breasts, then that is actually breast protective, protective. Okay. Let me keep going. Now, the one thing that I do see that is accurate is when we are testing the neuro-related markers. So this is very interesting when VMA, well, this isn't really accurate. So HVA and VMA, when they are low, it usually means that you are lacking a little bit of dopamine and that you can be very um, kind of low functioning, almost depressed, having some memory issues, cognition issues. But in this case, that is not me. My VMA is a little bit lower, but I'm not concerned about it. My HVA is within range. My melatonin is a little bit low, but I I have to admit I'm not good at taking melatonin all the time because as I have mentioned many times on this podcast and to you individually, if you're my patient or if you're in the group program, Delta 8 has saved my life in terms of sleep. So I don't always pop melatonin, even though I should, because it does have so many benefits, so many benefits when it comes to antioxidant protection and even cancer protection. My gut marker matches up with my GI map. I really have no issues, dysbiosis, nothing going on in my gut. And this would make sense that I'm a little bit deficient in biotin because I don't take it. I don't take it. Okay. So that is a wrap up, just kind of a Again, a 10,000 foot overview of my labs, a look into me, and how I'm going to say, you know, I'm not quite sure how accurate the Dutch test is when we compare it to blood, because it's literally telling me that my testosterone is in the toilet and it's not. So, what is the take home of all of this? Me sharing my labs, me telling you about me, it's not just to know about me, it really is to dig into the interpretation of labs. And I'm not telling you to not get a Dutch test because I might still order a Dutch test on you and I'll order another Dutch test on me. And these are really nice ways to see how we are methylating hormones, especially if you're running into an issue that you or your practitioner just kind of can't figure out, right? We just, I'm not quite sure why you are not progressing or why you are experiencing X, Y, Z symptoms like my friend slash assistant. Why is she breaking out if she touches testosterone? Okay, now we know. Now, again, going back to me taking my hormone fixer, I have saw palmetto in the hormone fixer along with Tonkat Ali that helps support testosterone levels but also improves so many different functions in the body and the saw palmetto helps with acne. So could it be that because I am and I do recommend hormone fixer with any TRT, whether you're using a cream, ladies, whether you're using a pellet, well I hate pellets, or whether you're using injectable like myself, I would still pair a hormone fixer because it does have that protection against conversion to DHT. Even though my DHT is high, it's protecting me somehow, some way from not breaking out and not losing hair along my hairline. No male pattern baldness here. When you are looking at your labs or your practitioner is looking at your labs with you, you have to, have to, have to always go by how you feel. That is the most important aspect of this whole entire picture. I feel good. So what those labs are, and I think what would be really interesting, and I've heard practitioners talk about this, and I wish they talked about it 20 years ago, is to get a snapshot of where you are in your 20s, provided that you're feeling good in your 20s. Where are you in your twenties? And then use that as a baseline, use that as, as your optimal, because we can, in functional medicine, come up with all the optimal lab value ranges that we possibly can. I know that you are going to feel like ass if your testosterone is below a 50 as a woman. I know you're going to feel like ass if your testosterone is below a 700 as a man, but then beyond that, your optimal might be 377 for a total testosterone. It might be 900 for a total testosterone. Your testosterone as a guy, you might feel great at 800. You might need to go to 1500. It's all based on you and how you are feeling. There is not a marker out there to say that this is too much because is it too much in your body? Is that testosterone causing an issue? Is my free T3 being 16 point whatever causing an issue? No, that is my optimal. That is where I feel my best. And as long as we can test other markers and see my, my lipids are fine, my CBC is fine. Yeah, I need to go na- donate some blood and maybe drink some more water in the morning, right? But other than that, everything is perfect. Let's look at your labs. And by no means is this, yeah, it's kind of a podcast on is the Dutch test actually accurate? And I'm going to do more research on this and I'm going to do future episodes on this as well because we're really going to break this down. And I will even bring on a Dutch expert. You know what? That's what I will do for you. I will go out and I will find a Dutch expert and I will bring her on and we're going to break down my Dutch test and I'm going to grill her as to the wine. I'm going to have my labs up as well. So we will eventually do this. I promise you. Give me some time to work on that. In the meantime, use this as a perfect example to know that you are more than just a lab value. It's everything I've always been saying. You're more than just a lab value. And where your optimal is might not fit into a box because you're a human being and you don't fit into a box. We are all so unique and so beautiful. And this is the whole point of personalized medicine. This is why I get so pissed off when people call themselves functional integrative alternative and they don't think outside of their conventional box because I promise you if a conventional doctor looked at these labs, they would freak out and they would call me hyper and it'd be the end of the day for me. They would pull my medication and I wouldn't be here with you because I'd be fat, bald, and tired and I wouldn't even be able to press record on a podcast. Always, always look at your labs from a point of view of how do you feel? Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I hope you loved it. And as always, if you would be so kind to leave a review if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, that would be absolutely amazing. I read all of them. Also, anything that you hear on this podcast is not intended to diagnose or treat any kind of medical condition. So we always recommend that you check with your medical provider, your doctor, your nurse practitioner before implementing anything that you hear on this podcast. And if you want to find out more about working together, you can click the link below in the show notes to book a discovery call. And there you'll be talking to a member of my team. They are an extension of me. They are amazing. And you and I will talk after that once we get you all signed up and you and I get to work together. All right, I hope to see you soon.